Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, a part of the Running Book Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's been a minute, but to another episode of the Divine Rhyme. As always, my name is Will Hogsett, joined by Dylan Hughes, part of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Just give a shout out to the boys, as always, AB, uh, and everyone else in the network who uh, makes pods, helps us out, and you know really keeps us motivated throughout the week. But uh, if you could give us a like, a follow on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, we're on all of them. We're on all of them. Just go and give us a follow. I mean, what is that, Hughes? It's, it's just a click of a button, you know, and, and it means a lot to us. So, uh, Hughes, how you been this this couple of weeks? It's been like two since we did uh, the last Mac pod, which I mean, rightfully so. I mean, that pod, I mean, did take it out of me. I'm not going to lie. So how you been, brother? I will say I'm really happy we did that. Mm-hmm. Because now I feel I feel done. You know, I feel done with Mac. There was a lot to say and and it was a great pod. I I got one clip on YouTube. I'm still working on clipping it a little bit more. Um, for all the lazy people out there that don't want to listen to the whole show, uh, there's a lot of a lot of gems in there. But yeah, man, it's been good. It's been nice uh, getting back to Sturgill, kind of bouncing around other places in the playlist as well. So um, it, it's felt good. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it. We're talking about Sturgill. We're going to talk about the ballot of Dude and Juanita today. Uh, but before then, I, I do feel like the switch from Sturgill was pretty appropriate. I mean, after all the Mac that we'd done. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, Mac was just so there was so much to think about yeah. and not there's not much to think about with with Sturgill but we've kind of already done our thinking you know yeah. this this album was a nice switch because it's kind of just like all right here's a here's a bedtime story for you basically yeah. <laughs> sit back and sit back and listen and uh just enjoy it so it, it was uh definitely a nice little life soul switch up for us yeah there's there's definitely stuff to take from Sturgill but it's not so dark you know what I mean? And, and, and Mac, it's, he's great. And the music is really well done, but man, does it, is it put you in a little mindset? It really does. And it's like, man, I, I needed that two week break. Uh, but speaking of mindsets, I saw you tweet the other day. You're listening to Norman fucking Rockwell by Lana Del Rey. Hughes, are you all right? <laughs> yeah, man, I, I really like listening to to that kind of music when I feel good, you know, okay. because because it, it I think you can appreciate the music a little bit differently because last year when I was listening to that album, I was not in a good place at all. Mm-hmm. And it was not bringing me to a good place. It was it was burying me. So I had to take a, a nice little break from that, but I'm in a really good spot now where I feel like I'm I'm not looking too much in the past. I'm not looking too much in the future anymore. So like, I, I feel pretty good. I'm just in trying to enjoy the music. So man, like I just have to throw on Venice bitch every once in a while, man. Like <laughs> God, I fucking love that song. It's so good. And also new Billy string song in the morning mm, light. Dude. Bro. Oh my God. 
Oh that song is on repeat. That yeah. I'm telling you, man, his best music is ahead of him. There's no doubt. And that's insane. That's insane because he's so good already. But back to uh, <laughs> Norman fucking Rockwell. He's, am I wrong in saying that I suggested that album to you or did you pick it up? Because I know last year I listened to that album like on repeat for three weeks straight and I also was down bad. I honestly don't remember how I found it. It may, it may have been you mm-hmm. because I really didn't listen to Lana before that. Uh, just a handful of songs. I'm not really huge into that style of music anyway, in general, but yeah, it, it may have been you. I forget at this point, there's been so much shit that's happened over the past yeah. year, but um, either way, man, it's, it's one of those. It's so easy to listen to the whole thing. And you know, it, you may, you may have to watch yourself a little bit because it definitely could yeah. bring you down to a bad place. But the music is just so good, man. It, it's hard not to appreciate. Yeah, I, I really do think that that is a really good album. I, I share the same look at it, Hughes, where it's like I didn't listen to much Lana Del Rey, Lana Del Rey uh, before that album. And I, I remember picking it up and I think I... I think the first song that I heard was happiness is a butterfly or, and I'm like, damn, this song's good. And then like for a month straight, I went through that album on repeat. Not only did I do that, I went through her old shit, like her fucking day one shit, video games and shit like that. I mean, she was constantly on repeat, um, on YouTube in my playlist for like a month, month and a half, two months. And that, should give you a glimpse of where I was mentally at the time. But uh, let's, let's talk about that, Hughes, because you brought up an interesting point where you think that you've gotten yourself to the point where you could listen to that music without necessarily the emotional attachment that will bring you down. How How is that a different listen? And what, what in music, how does music, how is music able to bring you down like that so easily? I mean, for me, music... I don't think it's completely possible to remove yourself, remove the attachment to the music yeah. because there's certain songs I'll hear like um, lights by Ellie Goulding. Every time I hear that song, it brings me back to like freshman year homecoming dance, you know, like there's <laughs> just some stuff it, you have. It's, it's memories, you know, there's mm-hmm. songs I hear that, are, that bring me back to seventh grade, mm-hmm. you know, like there's songs uh, that like that music is kind of memory, you know, it's, yeah. It, it kind of plants a stake at a certain point in your life. And every time you hear it, it's like, Oh man, I remember the first time I heard that song. Or I remember when this song was popular. So I don't think it's completely possible. And I kind of worry if I listen to Lana too much, it may end up bringing me back to, to last year, but in bits and pieces, it's just to kind of as much as you can shove that aside and, and just, really listen to the music. I mean, I love that album in particular because I, there's just certain, like if you can strike a musical chord in a perfect way, like it's just something really simple. Mm -hmm. I love that. And she does that throughout the album a lot. And that's the reason I like Billy strings too, is the, the, the instruments are played so well. Mm -hmm. And obviously when you add the songwriting on top of that, it's amazing, but you know, it, it's um, again, I don't think it's completely possible to remove the attachment, um, but I I'm right now I'm OK. So I'm in a good <laughs> enough place where I, I can listen to the music and just really try to appreciate it and try not to let those thoughts 
from the past creep into my mind. But again, uh, I think you have to be careful with it because I, I don't think it's completely possible to, uh, to wear it off. Yeah, you definitely have to create as much as you can a level of separation. And like you said, it might not be possible to fully create that separation, but at least create the distance to enough where you realize that's like, okay, I see myself falling down the rabbit hole again. Let's stop that and not attach yourself emotionally uh, so much where you play it on repeat, AKA me earlier this Sunday, got some news. I didn't want to hear simp shit. And I swear to God, I turned on Harry Styles and there was this one song. It wasn't even like the album fine line. It was sign of the times and falling uh, like a, a mashup, man. And man, is that so fucking good? But after listening to it for like five times in a day, three back to back i was like all right man you gotta stop this shit like i see what's going on here you're trying to fucking fall back into your feelings just completely because it's the only way you could find it through music because you're a little simp uh and so i i i cut that off the harry styles although it's good although it sounds really good i i kind of found found myself sliding down the rabbit hole and again i i've done that a lot with mac a little bit but uh i I didn't want to try to do that anymore and so that's why it's good that a new album dropped uh the day after we recorded the mac and uh certified lover boy certified lover boy drake drops whenever drake drops I go nuts. Like I, I've had this attachment to Drake for forever. He's like my number one guy when I was growing up. And so I'm not sure there was a more, I was more excited for an album, even the one that we're going to cover today, the bout of dude and Juanita, I was more excited for certified lover boy. And so Hughes, I want your initial thoughts on it. We'll probably cover it whenever we do a Drake, you know, month or something like that. But have you listened to it? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I listened to it and I actually don't even know if I've gotten all the way through yet because um, it's so long, mm-hmm. but it's, I think it's my last straw with Drake. I just, <laughs> I just, he's very clearly targeting a specific audience at this point and he doesn't really care much about growth anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this a long time ago. I think it may have been when we were talking about Schoolboy that Drake has been like the reverse of most artists where most of his growth came early on. And after that, he kind of just stopped growing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's been some growth in the past few albums, but it's just, I mean, I hate to say it cause everyone does, but it, it just feels like algorithm rapping, you know, algorithm music. It's like, we're going to plug in some keywords and we're going to build a song around it and we'll get a couple hot features and that's that. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I mean, he's Drake. So there's still probably five or six songs at least that I definitely like a lot. I mean, any Drake in future is going to get me like that. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's one thing that I'll never be able to get over, but it's just, it's, it's kind of disappointing, but I guess um, it it's, seems like it's been heading this way for a couple of years. So I'll just stick to like 2012 to 2015 Drake and, and I'll be happy with that. Yeah, it's definitely uh, much of the same. And if you're a Drake fan, if you bought into the algorithm as deeply as I am, then you're going to go nuts. And I still bump it. And I'm not going to say I'm not going to lie. It's not it's not a divine rhyme kind of album. 
You know what I mean? There's not much to take from it. It's just good fucking music. And it's Drake. And he's got a lot of people bought into the algorithm. And so a lot of people are going to fucking bump it. And I'm not going to lie. I am bought into the algorithm and I fucking bump it all the time. And so, but you're right, Hughes. He doesn't take any risks. He knows how to, he knows how to do it. He, he's punchy. He's a decent songwriter. He, he knows how to relate to people and to get to people like saying, yeah, that's a fire line, man. And he knows how to get, he knows how to get people going. And, you know, when you're at the top of the game, why risk it? And I think we're going to see some differences with our next uh, artists that we're going to cover. And then obviously J. Cole, uh, who's still kind of, I don't know, offseason was kind of similar to that, though. Offseason was kind of similar. Not many risks, but maybe it's at this point in J. Cole's life where he's like, I, I need a bit of a plateau, give myself some time to think. But I think we could expect some more from J. Cole. But Drake, you know, I'm not going to act like I'm super, super excited about it. I like the music. But looking ahead into the future, you're right, Hughes. It's like, come on. I mean, how long is how long are you going to do this? And so that's enough for CLB, though. I, there, I really like the album. I think there's obviously some misses, but there's some big hits as well. I mean, through and through, it's not... It's not like a no skip album. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's some songs that you're going to skip, but you're right about the features as well. The features kind of carry it as well. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Here we are today. We are here to talk about Sturgill Simpson, the ballad of Dude and Juanita, a follow up from the two uh, bluegrass albums that he released Uh, and definitely kind of a similar vibe, definitely a similar vibe with that. Uh, I got some quotes that he he gave to, uh, I think it was like Rolling Stone or something like that before. And uh, Hughes, I want to hear your take on this. The album's concept was to write a story, not a collection of songs that tell a story, but an actual story. And so when he says collection of songs that tell a story, that kind of reminds me of Sailor's Guide to Earth. We talked about that a lot. Uh, being pretty, pretty thematic. And we've talked about Sturgill being super thematic, but this is definitely the most thematic he's been. Yeah. I was actually thinking right before we hopped on here that they need to make this into like a musical Yeah, because this is, this is a story. This is not, I've talked a lot in the past about how I love storytelling and music but this is literally like a story. This is a story that was sung, you know, Mm -hmm. and it feels like it needs to be acted out on stage because it's a story and stories, you know, we need to see it, not just hear it. Um, So yeah, I, I like this a lot because we've talked about Sturgill already that he kind of just goes wherever he wants to go. And we don't really know, uh, what direction he's going to go in and like, who the hell could have predicted this? Yeah. I mean, we were finishing up Sturgeon month. We were talking about where he's going to go next and we're like, Oh, he'll probably go back to country, but like, who knows what it is. But then he pulls <laughs> it out of his back pocket. <laughs> it's like, who the hell is doing Juanita, you know? Yeah. Um, and he made a whole album to tell us who they are. So it, I, I really like, um, I really like that he went this direction and, I'm wondering if he said in any interviews, like, is this a real story or is this something that he just made up? Yeah, well, I've heard I've heard multiple things. I've heard multiple uh, kind of sides. One of them is just a made up story. But one of them is a uh, exaggerated love story of his grandparents. That's what I've heard. And because he posted okay. uh, he posted a, young, a photo of his young grandpa 
uh, on Instagram, which Sturgill is pretty, pretty slim on social media. Instagram's like his biggest one. And he said, this is dude, essentially the man they named dude. And it was like a younger, uh, a really young photo of his grandfather. So obviously I doubt his grandmother got stolen on a, stolen by a thief and he had to ride a horse all the way to go and find her and kill a guy. But maybe it's like an exaggerated version of something that did happen with, um, you know, maybe another guy or something like that. Uh, but lyrically, like you said, it's definitely a story. Uh, but sonically, I think it's a story as well. I mean, the, the, the add-ins that he has really helped to keep the fucking flow going. And I know you mentioned it should be a musical, but damn, it already fucking sounds like one with all the extra shit that's in it. Uh, but he said he wanted it to be a roller coaster ride through all the styles of traditional country and bluegrass modern music that he loves, including gospel and acapella. And I think you get, uh, all of those. You know, there's there's a there's an acapella song where it's just him by himself. But then you got an you got the banjo and shamrock, man. And we'll talk about shamrock later. But you want to talk about setting the fucking scene. <laughs> but um, yeah, what do you think about that, Hughes? Because it did kind of touch uh, a lot of different areas of country music. Yeah, I the roller coaster sonically, I was thinking the exact thing last night because uh, just, you know, right off the bat, you know, prologue, it's kind of like a, like a little bit of a slow entry into the story and all that. And then old dude part one, you know, you get some bounce and then it kind of just fluctuates throughout where, hey, man, we've talked about the banjo. What, what, a, what a hell of a uh, tone setter that instrument is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a ton of banjo in there, as you mentioned with Shamrock, which we'll get to. Just really, God, man, it's it's like you got to tap your foot. You just yeah. got to tap your foot. That. Like, that's what I was thinking last night. I was like, I want to get up and dance to this. And I don't even, I don't know, like, I'm not a huge dancer. But sometimes, man, the music gets in you. It's like, ooh. I got to get yeah. up and move a little bit. Yeah. And this, this album, I kind of felt like that a little bit where, you know, you get that banjo, but then you also get the acapella and kind of the slow, you know, deep voice. And it's like, oh man, like this is, this is a major roller coaster here, which mm-hmm. as we've talked about on this pod, uh, basically with every artist, the roller coaster is really fun as a listener. And it's fun. It really helps you kind of stay in tune with the album and kind of you know it's it's not just the same old same old sound throughout there's a lot of different sounds and i mean sturgill's basically mastered that to this point yeah we do talk about the roller coaster a lot and i think it's the effect in this album is definitely heightened because of how short it is and so each song although it is a story uh as a whole each song really does feel more individualized and so he's able to bring you up and down a lot quicker uh while also keeping that theme but let's just start off with with the prologue right off the bat you just hear you know like a, a couple men marching and a fucking whistle and you're like wait what is this man? Am I on the fucking railroads in the 1850s? What did, what'd you think when you first heard that prologue? Man, I love this because I don't know what it is about like early America that fascinates me, but I had an internship with Indianapolis monthly, uh, the end of 2019. I got really into like Indiana history and I kept, I got access to some old pictures and I started looking at like Indianapolis when it was like very young, you know, and it was like, it was just really cool. And it kind of sparked my interest with history where it's like, we just walk around this world. Like, like it, you know, 
whatever. There's a bunch of houses and buildings, but this stuff has taken like hundreds of years to build, you know, and I'm kind of fascinated with how we got to this point in life. Like the, you know, who are the people that built this? Why did they build it? You know, I, I've always been interested in that. And going back to the 1800s, it's like, man, think if you're in the 1800s right now, it's going to look a hell of a lot different. And and life has changed so much. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, 160 years or whatever is not that long of a time. Mm-hmm. It's like two lifetimes, really. And it, it feels so far apart, though. So I, I think he did a really good job. And I mean, who who are we to know what the 1860s sounds like? Yeah. But but I think he did a, a good job of kind of giving you an idea of what it might feel like with, you know, gunfire in the background and, and, you know, men marching and all that. I think it really set the tone. Yeah. And it's just an interesting, like dynamic when you, when you think of modern music and modern times, uh, we listen to so much, uh, I mean, current music, of course, whether it be like Mac Miller or the guys that we've covered that you're kind of used to this sound to an extent, this clean, you know, production, and like instrumental sound. And so when you throw in these extra add-ins, whether it's just a random fucking gunshot, like you mentioned, or a whistle, it does add another layer. You're like, man, I actually, I mean, the first time I heard it, I was like, man, am I, is my mindset state transferred to like the 1800s right now? Like Sturgill did such a good job of doing this, taking you back to uh, this, this, this time frame and writing the prologue. And I think it sets up a perfect, perfect look on the rest of the album. I mean, obviously the it's, it's a story, so it's going to be based in the same time, but to start you off, like right off the bat, to put you in that mindset, I think the prologue does it perfectly. I do want to mention something. I don't know if you know this, Hughes, but Sturgill's acting in Martin Scorsese's upcoming movie, Killers of the Flower Moon. And he's portraying an infamous rodeo champion. And that kind of helped him get in the mindset. Were you aware of that, Hughes? I was not. But I, I think he told me he had a cameo on some movie before. So I'm I'm excited. I I because we can talk about this at the end, but I think he may be close to done with music if he's mm-hmm. not already. Um, so, Hey man, transitioning into actor, I think would be really fun for him. Um, and of course, like what, what's a better way to get in character than to make a fucking album, you know? Right. right. And so I, I had not heard about this before I did research, but I think he's playing like a main role, like not maybe the lead guy, but I think he's going to be, He's not just going to be an extra kind of like he was in the hunt, which was a movie that we talked about before. And so I'm, I didn't have this movie on my radar at all, but now that Sturtle's in it, I'm definitely going to be watching. I, it's just that simple. So let's get in the second song, old dude, another kind of intro, probably the true intro to the album to kind of set up the story. Right. I mean, you have this prologue that, that sets the scene, but to set up the story, old dude, part one really does introduce you to kind of the characters. Right. Yeah. And again, just paints the picture of what time was like back then, man. I mean, he had a monster of a mule as a mighty fine steed, sham, sham and Sam, a tomahawk and that footlock's all he need. It's like, what? I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm into it. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it just, again, it kind of paints that picture of man, like times are way back, way different back then. And, um, 
it, it, it gives you a good intro, yeah, into dude here and like who he was and where he came from, uh, which I thought was fascinating. Again, look into old times. I mean, he son of a miner. Like mining back then was huge. Like who wasn't a son of a miner? Yeah, right. You know, I'm, ima- I'm imagining there was a lot of of mining children back then. And then Shawnee. I mean, it's just crazy that I mean. You know, Native Americans are damn near extinct at this point. It's it's crazy. And like to hear all these stories from the 1800s, it's it's amazing that they really kind of I don't want to say they mix civilizations. I don't think they uh, liked each other too much. Mm -hmm. I think history would tell us that. But there were definitely some some uh, some love affairs. And I, I always, I'm always interested to hear about those stories. Um, so I, that was kind of a nice little twist to give you an idea of where uh, dude is from and also maybe where Juanita comes from. Yeah. And he did mention a line. He said he'd stretch you up and burden you for calling him half breed. I mean, what my take from this, this album and especially the initial parts of the album is just, man, times were so much different not that long ago. And I'm not saying people don't fucking, you know, people aren't racist. People don't do that shit, do that shit in today's world, but it's just like a different dynamic with, 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 with the people, how they interact with each other, how they get around, how they, you know, act in general. And obviously we talk about, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the story, like the killing a lot more, but that shit was not normalized, but it, it was, I mean, it was it happened. It's like as much of a much more of a survival based uh, world that they, they that everyone was living in compared to like the tiered world and, and the level world where we have now where we still have a lot of people living in the survival base. But you just have other people like living above them, not even thinking about it, where as in the past, it was more, I don't know, universal. If it, would you say? <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, going back to what you said about uh, about the racism, like I think I think racism is just different nowadays than it was back then, um, Mm -hmm. because racism back then was literally just like, what the fuck are you? Who are you? You know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't I don't know exactly. I I, obviously racism is going to have roots that go back however many decades, millennia, whatever. Um, But we've like America today, we've been, we've been living with each other for a long time. Right. But at this point in time, they, they had never probably seen people that have different colored skin than them. There's a major culture clash uh, at that time too. And again, that's why I think it's so interesting to hear these stories, especially the, the love stories um, that they can, they can just kind of throw that away and come together. I, I think that's, interesting uh to look back at yeah it definitely is and it kind of seems as if the racism is is coming from a different avenue nowadays and that's kind of the sad part you know it's like we have all the information we all know that everyone is the same on the inside we're all born equally whereas back in the day in the 1800s you see a native american or a black a black person you're like i've never seen any of those any any of that before and so that that it comes out of like a a, a, an unawareness or a fear of something different but now it's like a personal personal thing where it's like this is who i am even though we have all the information in the world that kind of tells us otherwise 
it's become like a more hate driven thing, I think, which has kind of made it more intense and more sad. But let's get on with the album. Old Dude Part One set up the story. And also the first time you heard Sturgill uh, and it's an upbeat song. And I just love when Sturgill comes in and it's just Sturgill, you know, and it's it's this deeper. He's got a deeper, definitely more twangy, you know, Kentucky country mountain music voice. Uh, and it's upbeat. But then right after one in the saddle, one in the ground, one of my favorites on the album slows it down a little bit. Hughes, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of where the story really starts building up. And yeah, the the slowness of it is is really nice. Uh, again, it kind of gives you that roller coaster vibe as we talked about already. But again, just does such a good job of, of painting the picture. I mean, he's just out in the field, you know, plowing, plowing the field. Just good, a uh, good old farming boy out there plowing the field and and when he is in the garden and then uh, probably the one time he's ever away from his rifle the bandit comes and snatches her up, which just sounds so hilarious to call him a bandit. You know, like <laughs> imagining, like we don't call kidnappers, like, oh, the bandit came and took the kid out of the yard. It's like, it's, yeah. it just sounds so, it just sounds so funny when he says it like that. Um, but, you know, and we don't really know much about Winita at this point either. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, why, why was she captured? Like, is this, is it due, is this someone paying dude back for maybe doing like killing a family member. Cause in the, in the intro dude is kind of painted as this like mean guy that he's going to like, if you screw him over, he's going to kill you basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine, you know, this is kind of some sort of payback. And again, this is, this is where storytelling is really important because not knowing really anything about what Nita gets the mind going. It's like, Oh man, it gets you invested in the story. Like why, why do he take what he, who is this guy? You know? Um, and also we got a journey now, you know, yeah. dude's, dude's gonna, he's going to get Sam and Shamrock and he's going on a hunt. <laughs> That's hilarious. He's going to get, he's going to line up the squad. Uh, you, all we do know about old, uh, Juanita is the, uh, that he was, dude was in love with her, right? He knew she was the one, uh, and a line that I like, uh, she gave him a love. Every man knows is needed. She gave him a daughter. She gave him a son. You know, and that, again, it's such a simpler, simpler time. And like you mentioned, he was just out in the garden um, and a bandit rode up and fucking jacked her. And so he was like, he goes and tells, he tells his son, he's like, hey, hold down the fucking fort. Watch your fucking sister. I'm going to get your fucking, I'm going to get your mom back. And I'm like, man, what the fuck? It's just such a different time. That's the only thing I could think about. It's like, what the fuck were they doing? <laughs> like, what do you do all day? What do you do? You wait for a bandit to come and steal your wife. You're like, all right, let's get this shit going. But yeah, one in the saddle, one in the ground. I love, I love that. And it's as again, it's show not don't tell. Shout out Malcolm Moran. I don't know how many times I'm going to shout out Malcolm Moran on this podcast, but that if we learn, if we learned one thing from journalism class, it's show don't tell one in the saddle on the horse, one on the ground. He's got, he's in the saddle on the horse. He's got his dog and he's going to get fucking Juanita. But yeah, this is, this is uh, one of the, uh, one of my favorite songs on the album slower. I, I like the slower songs. Um, and then just that one in the saddle, one on the ground with Sturgill's beautiful, deep, slow voice just is ringing in my head. But then 
we get to Shamrock and Shamrock is obviously the name of the horse. Uh, and he talks about riding on it. But one, one thing that I want to point out and what I alluded to earlier was after the storytelling aspect of the song within like the first minute and a half, two minutes, they go the, the hillbilly Avengers as Sturgill calls them, which he brought back from uh, the bluegrass sessions, just go on an absolute rampage for like a minute, minute and a half to finish the song. And I'm like, we, we talked about showing, not telling or listening, not telling, make them hear, not tell. I was like, holy fuck. It actually sounds like I'm riding a goddamn horse. Hughes, did you get the similar vibes? Yeah, I mean, this is I mean, right off the bat again, the roller coaster just kicking banjo, man. This <laughs> is God like uh, just sitting there. Listen to this album fold through. It's like one in the set, one on the ground. Hey, that was good. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. I've I've been listening to a lot of bluegrass past few months. Do you think I'd get decent at it eventually? Got a little twang Uh, on your voice now. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of of loud screaming in the car. You know, it's just uh, working that voice. But... And then you get the, the banjo. It's like, oh, my God, Sergio, come on. Yeah, come you know? on. <laughs> it's just like he he throws the bait in the water, just slowly reel, and he yanks it out. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, man. So, again, just a really fun, fun to listen to that. Um, and then, yeah, like it, it kind of paints that picture of, of the chase, you know, mm-hmm. like he's on Shamrock. He's got this horse that doesn't really trust anyone but him. You get on his back and you're not, you're not, dude. He's gonna kick you off to high heaven or whatever he says. Um, so, just really, he's really painting the picture here of his his trusty gang. You know, he, he's got his dog Sam, uh, he's got his horse Sham, and they're going on a hunt, baby. <laughs> yeah, and again, we talked about how short this this album is, and I think it really does work in the favor because each song is so individualized. He doesn't drag the chase on for three songs, you know, which you don't need. You just need the simple idea. And I think that works so much better for a storytelling album, like a genuine, like you mentioned, not a collection of songs that tell a story, but an actual story. I don't think you want to spend too much long on each chapter of the story because um, it's, it's, it's music, right? And you want to keep the, keep the attention. And so he's got one song to the prologue. He's got one song to set up the uh, set up who he is. He's got one song to set up the, the, the action that happened that caused him to go on the journey. Then we got this song to set up, to let us know what the journey kind of sounded like. And then you got played out next, which again, the roller coaster at this point, isn't even a fucking roller coaster. It's one of those fucking rides, Hughes, that just goes straight up and straight down. You know, it's like one of them droppers, man, because played out damn right after shamrock, right after the blue, right after the banjo was kicking, and it's like, oh, damn, we're back down low. The trail's gone cold. What did you think of this song, Hughes? Yeah, I mean, just just the back and forth, man. It really is like straight up and down. Like you don't get you don't get a break in between. Like it's just one or the other. I mean, geez, man, like just I, I kind of saw it as like losing hope, you know, like he's just completely lost hope. Like I, I feel like it's kind of hard to paint in the music, but I'm just thinking back when you have to ride a horse across, you know, there's probably not even any roads at this point. It's just a bunch of dirt paths. It's like, you could search for days and weeks and not really get that far 
on a horse, you know, with your dog with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I imagine it's just got to be defeating if you're looking for a person, especially mm-hmm. it's just, it's going to be so hard to find people. And this, this is kind of what I got from this was he's just like, he's had a long few weeks or whatever on the trail. And he's just like, man, I, I'm not going to find her, you know? Mm-hmm. And then of course, of course, uh, trusty Sam ends up kind of wandering off and, uh, he ends up giving out his last dying call Damn. and he's, he's got to bury Sam. And Damn. let me tell you, when I, when I was listening to this last night, I was like really feeling it. I yeah. was like, not Sam, man. <laughs> literally. How literally. Out Sam. It kind of reminds me of I Am Legend. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. With Will Smith? It's the dog's name Sam in that one too? I think so, yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And I'm like, man, the saddest. It's so fucking sad. And the way he describes it. And again, I'm going to go back to Shamrock because I think your take was good. There's a lot of adren- uh, adrenaline going. Your wife just got gets jacked by a bandit. You're like, all right, I'm going to find this bitch. I'm going to fucking kill this motherfucker and find the love of my life. And you're really up. You're really going. You're like, all right, I'm going to find her. I'm going to find her. But like he said, then you drop into played out. And it's like, damn, he's been on the trail for weeks. Everything's going bad. That's that's what he's talking about in this. It's like everything's going bad. Uh, Shamrock's head is bobbing, and I don't hear the hound after five days and nights following the sound. Sam Dunn went silent, and this is this is where it hits right here. Nowhere to be found. Oh wait, I see him lying there on the ground, and I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't, I didn't know this dog. I didn't know this fucking horse or this guy before like 10 minutes ago. And now I am in the fucking gutters because he's got to bury his own dog. And, you know, we talked about the musical, the sonic part of it. We've got a lot of banjo. We've got a little, a lot of country, but then the next song is dedicated all to Sam. And I think that's the acapella one. I mean, the title Sam, and uh, it, it's it's acapella, but it's got a little it's got a little little bump to it, and it's sad, but it's it's like a remembering song. And the beginning, it's like, well, look at the dogs worth three in the saddle, no matter where you're from. <laughs> what do you think of this one? I really like this one, <laughs> dude. That opening line, the first time I heard it, I'm like, this is the most country shit I've ever heard. <laughs> a good dog's worth three in the saddle. Like, what could that possibly even mean? You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just hilarious to hear. But yeah, I love the acapella, man. Like, God. Again, you don't know where the hell he's going. Like, we don't know where he's going with the next album. We don't know where he's going with the next song. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got he's got banjo. He's got a nice, slow, sad song. And then he's got acapella. And, yeah, dedicating to Sam, man. I mean, just... R.I.P., bro. R.I.P., am I right? R.I.P., Sam, man. I If this is a real dog, I, I hope he's had a few lives by now uh, in the, the reincarnation cycle. Because, God, he, he deserved it, man. What a... What a good dog. But yeah, gives gives a nice little dedication to Sam. And it almost makes me feel like, okay, he's kind of moving on here, you know? Like he's down in the dumps, but like he realizes like what what this is all about. He's got to find Juanita. He can't let Sam die in vain. He's got to yeah. find Juanita. Yeah. It is a little motivating part. It's like, okay, it's it's the sad Sam dying song was definitely playing out, played out. But then it's like, okay, he talks about how great. And I like, 
I mean, it makes me want to get a dog, Hughes. And Sturgill has merch for this album. Sturgill dropped merch for our album. And he has a bandana and like a dog bandana that says a good mm-hmm. dog's worth three in the saddle. And I'm like, I need a dog just so I could buy that bandana and fucking put it around that dog's neck, man. <laughs> because my God. But again, the storytelling, the show not telling this. Um Sam was the greatest one. He was a hound of all hounds. He was a wonder of all walkers. He loved howling at the moon. He loved treeing that raccoon. Most of all, he was my best friend and he's gone too. And then that deep fucking bluegrass, man. It's like, how do you hit a note that deep? But man, it just rings in my fucking ears. Um, But yeah, you're right, Hughes. It's like, it's motivating. It's motivating. And then the next song, Juanita. Featuring Willie Nelson. And this is one that I've sent to so many fucking times since it's been released. You know, I've told you on that. La- I told you on the Magpots. I love simp. I'm not going to front. I'm not a simp in real life. But if I hear a song that's make that's going to make me simp to about a girl. Uh, yeah, I'm going to fucking play it on repeat in my car when no one else is in there and fucking sip that shit and think about the girl that I'm madly in love with. That's beyond the point. Juanita featuring Willie Nelson. Uh, a really good song. I mean, it's a good song. Did you get the same vibes, Hughes, or am I just major simp over here? No, man. It's it's. I think it's an important parts of the story because again, we don't know a ton about Juanita at this point. And again, he just lost Sam. Like he's got to refocus and say, "Hey, Juanita, this is the target here. This is what I'm after." And <clears throat> kind of paints the picture. And you get a you get a shaker in there, which is a new musical sound. <laughs> I was like, I had to look up. I'm like, I wonder when the Spanish American war was. Cause this is kind of giving me those kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's, he's kind of using that to say like, and then the chorus, he's like, Juanita, where'd your mama get that name from? There's no senoritas from the mountains where you came, which I thought was a good line. Um, mm-hmm. But again, it kind of, there's still some mystery to Juanita and, and what uh, exactly her whole deal is. But this, you know, we hear more about the love affair uh, from dude's side. And we also maybe get a get a see a little bit more into who exactly she is. Yeah. And we haven't talked about Sturgill's vocals <laughs> performance on this album. We, we, we touched on it, I think, a lot uh, when we did Sturgill Month. But, man, this is really where it hits me. And it's slow talking about Juanita, how much he's in love with her. And then he and then the one line, which Sturgill posted on Instagram. Uh, you know that guy that holds a sign up, the 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 meme of the guy that's holding like a, a cardboard sign that says something. Yeah. And uh, so he said, it says, Juanita, where'd your mama get that name? And that line where he really like fucking throws it out. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to share that shit because that's exactly how I feel. Where'd your mama get that name? And that is like, that's where I was really thinking. I'm like, man, Sturgill still fucking has it. And you talked a little bit earlier about his five, his, his five album plan or what is originally his five album plan uh, and how this would be like the last one and how, um, you know, he might be done. But man, the world would miss the vocals of Sturgill Simpson because I know I would if this was his last one. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we talked a little about Billy Strings earlier. I love Billy Strings. Mm-hmm. I love his voice. I love the music. But Sturgill is so different and so different, I think, in a needed way because I think I think it's easier to find a Billy Strings than it is a Sturgill Simpson, just as far as the vocals songwriting, you know, obviously Billy Strings is elite with that, but 
Sturgill's vocals, man, and this is this this is what my dad said when he first listened to him too, because I got him on a little bit of a Sturgill kick a few months back. Nice, and and it's like his God, his voice is so good. It doesn't matter what kind of music you like. I mean, he's got a voice that could fit anything, man. Like it's he's so good. But when you mix in his background and the twang and the banjo and all that. Like it just makes for such a great sound. And yeah, I mean, there's some lines or, or some notes he can hit. That's like, I'm not even going to try that one. That's, that's something that you can handle. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to listen and enjoy that. Yeah. It makes the, I just, I just cannot imagine not having another Sturgill album. So I want to take a break from the story. Uh, we're at the point right now where Sam's died, as we mentioned, and he's kind of refocused on Juanita to talk about uh, this album as a whole in Sturgill's discography. It's not one that seems like he'd end on, you know, and I, I'm not trying to knock the album at all because I think it's 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 a good piece of the puzzle of Sturgill Simpson's discography. I just I don't think it'd be the final piece. You know what I mean? Do you get that vibe? Yeah, it, it's it doesn't it doesn't feel like something you would end on. And I guess I don't know what exactly you would want to end on. I mean, of course, I we talked about this with Mac. I think Mac's discography kind of came to a perfect end. But a lot of artists, it's like they'll just go until they can't go anymore. And Sturgill's been one and he's not completely unique in this, but there's been some where. They're like, yeah, like I'm going to, I've got a plan. I'm going to stop at some point. And this, that's, you know, that's that. But this feels like, it feels like he wants to, he could do more of these kind of stories or something. Put it, it all together. I feel like he could put it all together. I feel like this is just a piece. And then he's just waiting for, I think he's going to have a nice magnum opus, whatever it is, whenever it is. I, I think he's going to try to fit everything together and kind of end it on a bang because he started it like, I don't know, something like metamodern sounds and country music only amplified with all the shit that he's done the last couple of years. Yeah, that that's kind of what I foresee as well. And and as we talked about on the last Sturgill pod, that's kind of what I thought he was going to go to next was kind of return to that that normal kind of country sound and you know, who knows what he's going to talk about, but as far as sound, it feels like that's where he's going to go. And I feels like that's where he would end. I don't want to, you know, give too much weight to a five year player, five album plan that he set back in like 2013 or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. like things change. And to be fair, he has been around a lot longer than it seems like. Because, again, as we talked about, he was with Sunday Valley for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. Like, he's been in music a lot longer than it seems like because he just went solo, whatever, seven years ago. So maybe he is kind of worn out. Maybe he said all he needs to say. But for the sake of all of us, I hope that there's at least one more. Yeah, I definitely do as well. Well, let's get back into the story. Nice little interlude there from uh, the Divine Rhyme boys. But uh, he ends it on Juanita with, uh, I'll search the world till you're in my hands. Juanita, I'll find you again. And so that's where we get to go and beat, go in peace. Um, definitely a pickup from Juanita. Hughes, what do you think about go in peace? Yeah, I mean, he uh, he's kind of just chilling with, with shamrock there and he gets run up on by some Cherokee and 
Luckily, it seems like the Cherokee like like uh, like they like the white man, which yeah. is I'm, I'm imagining back then it's kind of pick or choose. It's like some tribes are going to hate you. Some are going to love you. Um, so and, and I talked about this with you, I think, when we went when we went golfing that uh, this kind of brought me back to the Revenant. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Revenant, but the Revenant is basically Leo is this white guy and he has a kid with a Native American uh, woman. And he's kind of just like out on the trail. And, you know, there's a lot of shit that happens, obviously, in the meantime. But there's one point where he runs into this Native American dude and they kind of befriend each other. And it it reminded me a lot of this where there's there's kind of maybe unexpected run ins between two different kinds of people. And at the end of the day, man, like. I, the, the reason that I personally really like Native Americans and their whole culture and why I think I should study it more um, is, man, like all the stuff we talk about with with love and like spirituality, like they seem to get it. And, yeah, they're going to fight if they have to. They're going to defend their land if they have to. But they don't want to do that, man. Like they're they're trying to just be left alone and do their own thing. Um, and I, you kind of feel the love come out with this where where this Cherokee, uh, you know, group or guy or whatever wants to help him. And he's like, yeah, man, like I, I know where Juanita is. Mm-hmm. And and all of a sudden uh, after, after the, you know, he's dude is pretty down bad at this point. He's like, God, I lost my dog, man. I, I don't know if this is going to happen. And he, he finally gets uh, the bit of information he needs. Yeah, said McClure sold her for a couple of horses, man. What a fucking asshole. What a fucking asshole, man. And that's all she's worth to you, McClure. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And I be and that's what I think fires up dude even more. He's like, oh, you sold her for fucking horses? Oh, I'm gonna fuck you up, McClure. I'm gonna fuck you up. And so, um, but yeah, he's he got Juanita. He's got her back. He and Juanita went home ha- happily. And then we get the epilogue, uh, which is obviously like a different version of the prologue, kind of the same whistle, same tune, uh, saying that they're back home. Uh, now that Mama's safe and secure, he's set back on Shamrock to find and kill McClure. Let's go. And when I heard that, I was like, all right, let's go fuck this guy up, Hughes. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. And, and that's that's kind of the foreshadowing from from old dude part one. Whereas, like, if you're in debt to dude, you better watch your back, bud. Yeah. He's calm. So he's he's not happy that he got Juanita. Like, he's not satisfied. He's mm-hmm. He's got to go hunt down the dude that sold the love of his life for three horses. Yeah. Like, no, nah, that's not going to slide. Yeah. I wonder if he, he'd found her. He'd be like, all right, I'm good to go. I'm like, we're all good. We're all safe. We're all back. But then he found out, like you mentioned, like that would I, I that fire me up. You're like he's like, all right, we're safe and sound. And Juanita's like, it's good to see you. Good to see the kids. So glad we're all back together again. And he's like, I don't don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he's like, I gotta go. <laughs> and she's like, Where are you going? And he'd be like, Yeah, uh, we'll talk, I'll be back in a couple of days, bud. And so yeah, that takes us to um, prologue or not the prologue. My bad. Uh, old dude part two. Yeah. And uh, so old dude part two, we're back with old dude. And he set out. He's on his mission. He's got his fucking rifle. He's going to find McClure. Hughes, 
What 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 do, we, what do we got for the final part? And I want to we'll touch on the ending ending of this song, which I think is like such a good wrap up, so perfect to end the song. But what do you think of the end of the storytelling part? I mean, it was so good, and and you know, again, this is this is just the funny part of of the eighteen hundreds is he's on a horse or whatever, uh, not too far away, but it's like oh, he's out of reach. He can't hit me with that rifle. You know, it's just funny to think nowadays we have fucking laser guided missiles. It's like (laughs) you can never get too far um, (laughs) unless you're on the moon or something. But it's just funny. He's like, oh, you know, he's he's you know, he's too far. He's not going to get me. But old dude, man, that that marksman. Yeah. You know, he he got him. And then I love this line, too, to to kind of wrap it up. Moonlight bouncing off that tomahawk is the last thing old Seamus ever saw. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, like that's that's the storytelling right there, man. Just the show not tell, like really puts you in the, uh, the mind where you're laying there about to die. You see the reflection of that moonlight off the off the tomahawk. It's like, ah, yep, this is the end for me. Yeah, one shot through the dome, through the dome. I mean, Sergio told us already that uh, dude had the purest shot in the West on him. I don't know why you ever doubt that. It's almost like a cocky thing. McClure stole stole his girl, and he's like, "Man, you can't hit me with that shit." And look at him now; he ends up with a bullet through his brains. And so, but the ending of this song, which is what I was talking about earlier, he takes it down. Uh, it's like water running. You hear some birds chirping, and you really get a sense of of peace, of like the ending of the story. Everything's back to calm, and I think that is just so perfect, so perfect in wrapping up everything and f- completing the story. Yeah. Again, I mean. He was, he's so good at, at just adding those kind of extra little bits in to, to make the story feel more sound. <clears throat> and it was the same thing with Sailor's Guide we talked about, where right off the bat, you get the, with Welcome to Earth, you know, you get the waves crashing mm-hmm. and it kind of paints that picture like, okay, we're, we're probably chilling on a beach here. Maybe we're on a boat and the, the waves are getting kind of high at night. And it really sets the tone for the whole album. And, and we get the same thing here with the beginning and the end where it's like it, you really do feel like you're like you got your legs dangling off a train that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, you know, moving across the country. And who knows how many freaking states there were back then. But yeah. uh, it's a lot less than now. <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, we're going to go. We're going to go far west to Kansas. It's like, oh, wow. OK. Um, but, yeah, it, it really paints that that pic- and it does give you the, the peace. It. it really feels like the story is concluded. Like, yeah, he's got Juanita back, but he also killed that motherfucker McClure. Yeah. Fuck that guy. He, he lost <laughs> Sam in the process. Rest in peace. Um, but he's you got know, he girl. got, he got what he really needed. He's got his girl, man. RIP Sam though. Like for real, like, I just want to take a moment. RIP Sam. It feels weird. It feels like the same thing as I am legend. Like I remember, like I mentioned before, but like, damn, Sam's gone. And that's, I mean, other than the fact that we kind of knew the whole time that he was going to get Juanita back. Right. But you didn't know. You didn't know Sam was going to leave us. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's a good album. Quality album. Definitely. I mean, definitely out of right field. And uh, going back to Sergio Simpson as a whole, uh, what I kind of feel like is uh, I'm getting this Thanos picture uh in my mind of Sturgill getting the final 
Infinity Stone. And now it's like he's he's going, he's like nutting everywhere because he's got this fucking final Infinity Stone. He's not really got the storytelling aspect, both sonically and lyrically down. And I feel like he's just going to fucking with with his I think he's set up perfectly for his final album now. I will say that. Yeah, I'll say that as well, because Sturgill feels like a guy that there's stuff that he really wanted to do. And I mean, he he obviously this was his original plan was to have five thematic albums. And to be honest, like, I don't know if you can say that he's really hit that to this point. Um, if you want to get technical about some of the albums, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see, like, we don't, he, he's, as you mentioned, he's not a huge on social media. He's kind of sparing with interviews as well. So we don't always know exactly what he's, what he's going to do. Like he usually just does interviews when he's got a new album. He's like, yeah, I'll milk the media for what it's, what it's going to give me right now. Uh, but otherwise, you know, F them. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, we don't know. And I think that's kind of the beauty of Sturgill is that there is kind of that mystery a little bit. Um, like I was kind of surprised that he did a Joe Rogan uh, episode, you know, and I've only seen bits and pieces of that, but I really should go back and listen to the whole thing. But he doesn't seem like a guy that's like a sit down for three hours type of guy. Mm-hmm. He's kind of always had that mystery to him and he wants to just do his own thing and, and produce the music that he loves. And that's it. So it's, it's very tough to know. I mean, this album hit us smack dab in the face when it came out. Mm-hmm. So who knows what's next? Um, hopefully, you know, maybe by this time next year, there'll be something else, but either way, I'm not going to get my expectations up. I'm, I'm thankful for what we've got. There's a, there's a ton of music that's gonna, that's gonna remain in the playlist for, for life. So he's, he's done his job. And if there's any more, I'll be happy. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of, and I don't know how how aware you are of this artist, but he kind of reminds me of Frank Ocean to an extent where, um, although Frank Ocean is like probably 10 times more mysterious. I mean, the guys dropped two albums, first one Ch- Channel Orange in 2012, the second one Blonde in 2016. And he was kind of the same where I think he said he was going to drop four albums five albums in his career and we haven't heard of him. We literally haven't heard from him at all since 20, 2016 and blonde, which was a phenomenal album. Do you, and he had, he had a mixtape that was pretty too, pretty good to um, nostalgia ultra. I was a big Frank guy back in 2016 after he dropped blonde. Cause that was like my first uh, introduction to him. And so my question is, I guess, do you have any experience listening to Frank or what do you know about Frank? I've listened to Blonde a bit. Um, it's not, it's not completely, completely uh, my style. There, there are a few songs I do like a lot, um, but you know, I, I, I do know that a lot of people don't like him because he never produces music. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he's just like doing his own thing, which, which I, I personally respect and appreciate because. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of Bryson Tiller a bit in a different way where Bryson Tiller, Trap Soul Man, was just killer. Right off the bat, debut album was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, tra- I'm drawing a blank on the name of his second album, but it was like, it was, I think a year later, it was ki- it was good. Like, I liked it, but a yeah, lot. Of- it wasn't Trap Soul, though. It wasn't, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. And then after that, he was just gone for years. And true to finally, self. True yeah, to self. True to self. That's what it was. And and again, I, I liked it. It definitely was not Trapswell, which setting that high of a bar right off the right off the, you the rip, it. you know, it's it's tough to <laughs> yeah. pass that. But but then he was just gone for a while and he he had some music come out last year and he he did a lot of interviews. He's like, you know what, I was not in a good got not in a good space. Like I was having girl problems. My grandma died. Like there was a bunch. And when you're famous, man, and I think he Trapsel came out when he was 22. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm about to turn 24. Like I can't even imagine becoming a huge star at the age of 22. Like you are not a fully developed person. You know, there's a lot of stuff you got to go through and I'm not sure how old Frank is, but it could be the same thing where he got in the limelight and he's like, man, I've got to slow my roll here. Cause this is too much. Mm-hmm. Cause not, not every celebrity's built for fame. You know, that you, you can have the talent, but you got to have the personality too. There's just so much that goes into it. And I, I'm a person that I don't think I could ever deal with fame. I think it's way too much. Like I like my privacy. I like to be left alone. And the idea of constantly being egged on by the media and by fans and all that uh, would, would suck. So I imagine with Frank, there's probably some of that um, unless he's just kind of a private person and he's taking his time, but you know, Sturgill I think is more built for the fame than maybe those two guys are. But he definitely likes to kind of keep it low as well. Yeah, something I did forget to mention about Frank, his uh, brother died in like a car accident last year, too. So the um, the Bryson Tiller comparison is probably accurate where he's just going to take a little bit extra more time off. He did. Um, he dropped a couple singles, I want to say, in like 2019. He had like Chanel, Linz and uh, a Moon River cover. I don't know if you've heard that, but that's fucking gorgeous. Um, moral of the story, I guess, is between the comparison of Frank and Sturgill Simpson is Frank Ocean. Hope you're doing all right. Please drop an album. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, again, you got any, any any extra tidbits to add on Sturgill before we uh, drop the next artist we're going to cover? I mean, yeah, this I guess this is kind of our, our Sturgill wrap up. So, I mean, I the guy is, is incredible. Like he's one of the most unique artists of all genres, but he basically got me into this genre of music, you know, Mm -hmm. this kind of, this kind of new age country and bluegrass. I fuck, I fucking love it, man. And I never thought I would. And there's a lot of other, I've tried some other bluegrass and and country and it just, it's okay. It just doesn't hit the same, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we talk about Billy strings all the time. I think those two are very similar where, they just bring something different to the scene. That's like, God, man, this, like the, the, the writing is so good. The, the sound is so good and they're able to write and talk about a lot of different stuff. So those two, but obviously we're talking about Sturgill here are just so unique. And Sturgill's voice again is just amazing. And it's so, it can be so soothing at times to listen to, um, and he, he gives a perspective on life that's that's a lot different than than what you get, because, you know, we love the, the spirituality aspect. He gives a lot, but he's also a country boy that grew up in a family of of coal and lumber, you know, mm-hmm. so that that's a way different perspective than we're used to um, in the kind of the industrial world that we're in now and the technology where his background is in a much different place. So there's a lot of the music 
gives you a, a very unique perspective. And I like to think that's why he was maybe a little bit more attached to this story because it is, it is that old America that I think his family kind of came from uh, where it was just a lot different. So getting his perspective on, on a lot of different things is good. And again, whether he comes back with new music or not, I'm very happy that he's given us what he's given to this point. Definitely agree. I think, uh, and I'm going to make a Mac comparison here. I think Sturgill's found the balance. I think Sturgill's found a good balance between the deep thinking and rooting yourself in reality. And obviously, uh, via our last Mac pod, we kind of thought that Mac kind of went too deep into the deep thinking. And because of it, he produced the highest quality of music, the highest mind numbing not mind numbing but mind uh what's the word i'm looking for like engaging music where you, it really makes makes you think and so what sergio i i take from this album and the last because he's kind of gotten off the spirituality although he still talks about it a little bit but i mean sailor's guide to earth and meta modern sounds and country music and, and honestly, the first one, High Top Mountain, were all kind of those thoughts, those deep thinking thoughts like, what is God? What is love? Um, why am I here? And so now he's kind of found found a route in, into reality a bit. And it, it, the music quality hasn't really dropped at all. And so, again, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he has next, if he has anything up next. Uh, if not, I'm going to watch every movie that he's in, every interview that he's in. Uh, but I've also had rumors that he's trying to start up a band again. So maybe this is it for Sturgill Simpson's solo career and we might get more Sturgill because I don't know, as I've mentioned on this podcast, I don't know what I'd do without Sturgill because you're right. He, I didn't like country music. I didn't like country music before. Uh, I was actually probably anti country music. If I had to say anything, like I was fuck country music. And now Sturgill's opened my mind to obviously his, his discography, Billy strings, uh, another one that stands out. Um, and then Zach Bryan, who's kind of a younger guy that has a, a really, really nice voice kind of newer in the game. Uh, that's, that's all I really dabble with so far, but my boys, my boys from Rushville, a little County town in Indiana play a lot of country music and I don't hate it. I don't say anything against it anymore because I can at least vibe with it. And so thank you for that. Sturgill. But talk about a roller coaster. We got a roller coaster coming on this pod. We went from Mac to Sturgill. Back up, Hughes. Who are we doing next? The one and only Kendrick Lamar, baby. Let's go. Top three time. We're going to knock out two of the top three. We got J. Cole. We're going to do Kendrick next. What are you thinking, brother? I mean, this, this is a, uh, we're starting the TD tour here. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, the, I think the two we're going to end up doing to this point um, are the ones you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think SZA, she'll have her day, but it's still kind of early in her career. She's got to so, get more projects out. I mean, <laughs> we're doing a SZA week. <laughs> yeah. We're going to do one week of SZA. Yeah. Buckle in. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> And, and, you know, listen, she had a great first album, but, and, and we respect TDE for taking their time. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Listen, you want to take two, three years, please cultivate the music, cultivate the sound. Let's get a great album here. But five years, yeah, you know, that's, that's insane. It's re, that's reaching a bit. So 
hopefully SZA can come back and and um, give us some more to talk about. But yeah, I mean Kendrick, man, is just a guy that. Obviously, I started off with To Pimp a Butterfly, as a lot of people did. And over time, it's like, all right, I'm going to give his old stuff a try. Kind of expecting it to not really be that good. It's just kind of how music is. You get better as you as you grow. And God, man, I went back to listen to Section 80. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this dude was killing it right off the bat. Yeah. So, I mean, he his discography is is incredible every album deserves like pretty good discussion. Like there's no, there's really no albums. Like, yeah, that album wasn't that good. Like, no, like they're all good. So (laughs) it's, it's going to be a great month. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And I'm not as informed with Kendrick, obviously I'm more of a damn guy. And I think part of it is because I was always a Drake guy and they had, I don't know, maybe media made up beef to where it's like Drake versus Kendrick. Right. And then J Cole kind of slid in there out of nowhere. Uh, but I, I, I listen, I, I know damn pretty well, obviously listen to pimp a butterfly a little bit. Uh, and then I know the bangers off of good kid, mad city, of course, but I haven't really died. And then a couple off section 80. So I'm really looking forward to this month. I think I'm going to find, uh, that passion for J. Cole or for uh, Kendrick that I that I kind of found in Schoolboy Q's music, too, where I'm like, OK, this guy's pretty fucking good. You know, I don't know why I was hating on him for so long. And so we'll figure out. Um, I mean, how many he's got four albums? Is that it? Yeah, I think so. And there's also there's also a um, he had an album with a bunch of like untitled tracks. Yeah. That yeah. Didn't make it. Um I think a lot of them aren't that good. There's a reason they didn't make it. Yeah. There's one. I remember at least one or two songs are really good. So maybe we'll we'll throw that in there for just a quick discussion. But yeah, it, it's just the four main ones. So we'll probably do one a week. Maybe uh, add the untitled one too. I mean, was that before? That was before Damn. I want to say. I think it might have been, yeah. And so we'll we'll figure out uh, what we're going to do with that. But be ready for some Kendrick Lamar. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Hughes, any final thoughts? Any golf talk? When's the Ryder Cup? It's got to be coming up. I think it's next weekend. Um, so, of course, there's, you know, Brooks Kepka's got to throw in some, some uh, his weekly bit of controversy. Who knows if he'll make the team. Um, I haven't paid too much attention to exactly who's making it, who's not. But, I mean, this will be the first one I've watched because they canceled it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to uh, – it's, it's kind of like the, the finale of the year. You know, it's, it's kind of viewed as a major even though it's not a major. Um, mm-hmm. So those are always kind of like the players' championship. You know, it's like a – it's just a fun time. We got some some international conflict here yeah. in terms of golf. And <laughs> and I'll say, man, based on the Olympics, I, I don't know. I mean, we won the Olympics, but I don't know, man. I, I think some of those European countries in Australia, like I think those guys may be at the top of the game right now. Unless unless our stars can come out, we'll see. But but it's it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. He was kind of ending uh, the, the golf season with a little team action. You always love to see a little team action. It's real individual sport, kind of a little switch up. Uh, but I also got one question for you. What are we going to do when the season's over? We got to fill in golf talk time with something else. 
I mean, listen, we've, we've got a lot of sports we could choose from, but it's not going to feel the same as golf because we've, we've got, we've got some, some heart in the game. I mean, we've yeah. got a vet interest, mm-hmm. you know, I was out, I was out there on Monday, just a real disappointing week. Just, <laughs> I've been, wor- I got a golf net in my backyard. So I've been working on some stuff. I went out to the practice range and I'm like, this is not, this is not converting at all. All the practice <laughs> I've done has not converted. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I've got to watch the pros to kind of keep me humble a little bit and remind me that you got to work your ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, man, like it, it may be, um, we'll have to figure it out, but it's not going to be the same. That's for sure. Yeah. It's going to have to be like a slightly adjacent sport. So not like NBA. It's, it's gotta be something like maybe, maybe hockey, maybe we get into hockey a little bit for the winners. Well, I know we're not talking baseball. That's for damn sure. No, because two Reds the fans. Cincinnati Reds, I mean, what I just wish that I could go back to however old I was and be like, Hey, idiots this is not a good decision don't, to make okay don't. this team is gonna crush you yeah. and the fact that i have to deal with this pain for probably the rest of my life now mm-hmm. because of a decision i made when i was a stupid kid mm-hmm. is really troubling me right now it's one of the the biggest problems in my life right now which says a lot that my life's going pretty well but <laughs> the, fact, the fact that the the reds who listen you play the pirates three times okay this is a walk into the playoffs they lose the first two games of the series. What are we doing, guys? Literally, literally. And so, but I will say, I think we, I think it is better being a uh, realistic Reds fan. Where, yes, compared to Powell uh, specifically in the group <laughs> chat, who he sees us we're two games ahead for the wild card, and he's like, "Oh my God, we're going to the playoffs this year." And I mean, two weeks ago, I know I was saying it. I know Hughes was hinting at it. I was like, Powell. Have you not watched the Reds, my guy? <laughs> Have you not watched the Reds? And look what's happening. Look what's happening. It's not over and out, but damn, it's over and out, ain't it? <laughs> it doesn't even matter who's on the team. Listen, yeah. you could you could trade the whole team. You could change the manager. I don't, I don't know if it's the city. I don't know what it is. But God, man, the spirit just lingers for yeah. decades seems like yeah and i mean to make it kind of salt in the wound the fucking cardinals man are in the wild card caleb lynn is fucking ecstatic and i hate every <laughs> single bit of it that piece of shit they were like eight games back in early august they're like really far back and then they've just gone on a fucking rampage man and it's like the reds have dropped the ball as well i mean they the reds have dropped the ball there's no doubt but it's like Anyway, I can't I can't talk about this anymore. He is so that's going to end uh, Divine Rhyme. Sturgis Simpson definitely not going to make a predictive call out for the next one because we just did that, and I don't want to waste my juju. But uh, I, I do want to say that this isn't the same, but it's as good as we can get considering that Mac is no longer with us. But Faces is seemingly coming to streaming platforms October fifteenth, yeah. and there's a vinyl. Yeah, I mean. It. There, there's just something about us, man. Like we, okay, we finished Mac. There's no way anything's coming out. He's literally not capable of producing any more music. There's nothing left to do. Like the, the mojo, it's, it's worked to this point, but we can't do it now. And then the, the family clearly listening to the pod is like, oh, they, they think, they clearly. think there's nothing left, baby. <laughs> Here you go. Clearly. So, 
And and Kendrick is going to be good timing because he's got an album coming out too. So that one is not completely. Yeah, that one's a little bit more purposeful. Purposeful. <laughs> but I will say, if it comes out like a day after we finish, no, dude, I mean, there. come on. Uh, other drops, uh, other upcoming drops. Billy Strings is dropping an album like within the next week too. We're gonna have to do Billy Strings. We're gonna have to do Billy Strings, man. We got a lot of people on deck. Drake. I was just thinking Frank Ocean probably want to do him at some point because not gonna lie, I wanted to see if our Juju would work for Frank Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we got a lot of people. But next up, let's you know keep it single, single ladder step at a time, single stair step. Kendrick Lamar next week. Um, but let's do some plugs real quick. Lynn Sammy's doing a little uh, NFL preview, NFL, uh, a lot of NFL now this week. Went into the Packers this last week, which I'm just going to gloss over. Just not even <laughs> going to talk about it. Uh, what do we got? We got to- a couple top 100s uh, in the next couple of days or the next two weeks for um, Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. Yep, we recorded um, our top or our bottom 50. So 51 to 100 last night. I think one is coming out today or maybe out. And then the next one's coming out Monday. Um, and then over the next couple of weeks, we'll finish that out. So I will say that me and Alex are pretty in lockstep when it comes to ranking guys. But there was I dropped one last night that he was not happy with. So you'll have to tune in and see who that was. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it, brother. Circle City Cinema. I don't know what they've got coming out soon, but always quality stuff. T, uh, triple option podcast T-O-P-P should be dropping a lot of stuff. I mean, it's college football season. I've just given up on fucking football, by the way. The Hoosiers, (laughs) the Packers, man, it's over. And I I know Aaron Rodgers is probably going to tell me to relax, which I need at this point, but football's been a real struggle fest to me already. And I fucking lost it. I lost the first game in the running hook fantasy league to Dylan Hughes, even though I had a fucking major lead going into the four o'clock games. And then Rogers gives me two points. And then, I mean, Tyreek went off. I mean, Tyreek had a touchdown, but Travis Kelsey got me two touchdowns too. Like, I mean, I was so disappointed to take that LUs. Like I'm not even going to lie. Well, I'll say, I think, I think we're building up to a, a championship matchup between the divine Ryan team here. Yeah. I mean, that's what we said on draft night. Like this is, this is divine rhymes season. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be me and you running through these kids. There was uh Ryan Gregory had different priorities instead of drafting. Yeah. And I think that's going to end up screwing him. So it, well-deserved by the way, yeah. um, for ditching us like that. And, you know, I'm not going to name names. There's, there's some, some bad drafting from other members that, Dude, you know, I know you're not naming names, but I'm naming names. <laughs> Justin Powell. If you listen to this podcast, man, please do not take Patty Mahomes with the 12th pick in the draft. Please do not take another quarterback later in the draft. And especially, most importantly, do not draft two defenses and two kickers. I will give him a pass on Patty because a lot of people have done it. It's not a decision I would make. I got Tom Brady at like the third to last pick somehow. So I, it's, it's never my strategy to draft quarterbacks early and Hey, it's much better than Drew Brees in the first round last year. Yeah. I uh, mean, he is improving slightly, slightly he's improving, but then the two defenses and two kickers, if you want to do 
two of just one of them, I'll give you the pass. Yeah, yeah. But doing it with both of them, it's like, okay, I can't yeah. defend them at this point. No. Well, that's going to be it. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to Vine Rhyme. Thank you, Hughes, for humbling me on the first uh, first week of fantasy football. And we're going to catch you probably next week with some Kendrick Lamar. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.